Welcome to Manage Expectations. We watch the biggest new movies and shows, giving our non-spoiler expectation of them before we watch them, and then review them afterwards. Lockdown is easing here in the UK, but this podcast is once again recorded from our homes on opposite sides of London. My name is Jude Shardlow. In my headphones is Tim Kennington. Hello. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just really excited because we've actually got something to talk about this week rather than us just being like, let's make a list. Random list. So, Tim, this week you're actually using your bit of science know-how to talk to us about Space Force. Yeah. I didn't realise I was going to be using my science know-how. I've just been... (laughs) I've I've just... Genuinely, just... uh, So we're recording this. It's half term in the UK. Um, I've just been teaching a uh, Zoom-based half-term camp all about the solar system and astronauts so uh, i will be checking space force out on its uh on its scientific <laughs> note i mean literally my science is the science that i teach to four-year-olds so i probably know less than the children do in your class about space <laughs> <so>. <laughs> when i was a child our country put a man on the moon we're going back times do I need to apologize? The president is creating a new branch in the United States military, Space Force, <laughs> which Mark will run. I don't... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Space Force, it is a 10-part series workplace comedy that centers on a group of people tasked with establishing the sixth branch of the United States United States, United States Armed Forces, the United States Armed Forces, the United States Space Force. Steve Carell plays Mark Nerd, in general in charge of the effort. It's co-created by Carell and Greg Daniels, who's responsible for uh, The Office, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons and Parks and Rec. Why, why is it coming out now? What's the hook for this show? the obvious line to draw for for kind of what the basis might be is the very space force that trump announced um that he wants to go and colonize the stars and have you seen the flag it looks exactly like the star trek logo that's nice (laughs) it doesn't seem from the trailer that it's going to be a scathing political comedy but that's not kind of what it's about and it is more of a a situational workplace comedy. It seemed to be that it's a very expensive, well-made show with a huge budget, lots of different scenarios and lots of different locations that it's set in. It's not so much of like a water cooler kind of drama like something like The Office was. Yeah. Kind of touching a little bit on the talent that's involved in it then. Obviously, the trailer heavily features Steve Carell. We know this is a Steve Carell co-produced project. Fans of the US version of The Office will be really excited about that. Like personally, I've seen every single episode of The US Office yep. about 20 times. And I'm very, very, very excited. Steve Carell is one of those comedy actors that have started making more interesting decisions and um, more kind of complicated performances, which I think hopefully will mean that that central role is is really in, is really interesting. Since he won like the Emmy for The Office, everything that he's done has a little bit of a controversial or a political tone. So if you think about, it, he played John Dupont in Foxcatcher. A couple of years later, he did Battle of the Sexes, and then he also did The Big Short and Vice. 
um, and the morning show. The voice of Steve Carell, like you're hearing, like who he is as an actor and what he's he wants to stand for. Steve Carell is pol- politicizing and making really interesting decisions. But I think one of the things from the trailer is that I was really excited by the the rest of the cast, Ben Schwartz, who. If this wasn't his actual um, kind of breakout performance, it certainly was in my eyes, and it was the first time I noticed him, was under the tutelage of uh, Greg Daniels. Yeah, as John Ralphio in Parks and Rec, which I, yeah. is, is still, in my opinion, one of the greatest modern comedic performances. I just think it's incredible. And also, uh, you've got Lisa Kudrow playing Ned's wife, I read one of the early reviews, actually, and it said that she kind of suffers from maybe being a bit underused. No, Um, I think the last time I saw her in anything, and this can't be right, but is Easy A? That's the last time I saw her in anything. um... She had had a sitcom, didn't she? What is it? The Comeback. Uh, So So she was in The Comeback. Seeing Patrick Warburton, who I have adored, Forever. I think Patrick Warburton is incredible. So I'm very excited about seeing him in there. And then I don't know if he's in the trailer, but it's just a little fact that I know that this is Fred Willard's last performance. Yes. Um, so Fred Willard died this week, I think, um, and is an inc- like just a genuine all out legend of comedy, in my opinion. There are some big people in this. Sorry, Lisa Kudrow was in Booksmart. Don't you love that film? I do, and I just forgot that she was in it. I probably. <laughs> do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? You had a I was- G&T? No, I wasn't drinking a G and T. But I was. What I was doing is I was there going. She is in a high school film that I saw quite recently, and she plays somebody's parent. And I immediately went to EZA where she plays the headmistress. But yes, her and Will Forte are um, parents in Booksmart. My main concern is our head scientist. This is the moon. Flat, desolate. The surface is actually a complex topography. Okay, thank you, Bill, the science guy. My knowledge of John Malkovich comes from him being in roles where he's sending up himself. So I know that he is a serious and well-respected actor because I've seen him play against that type rather than seeing him in things where he's being a big and serious actor. He'll be a really good irritating foil which is sort of seems to be the part that he's gonna be yeah so overall with having watched the trailer and knowing about the cast and kind of having the context for it what what are you expecting going into this are you expecting kind of a a a high high rolling five or a very low baller one it looks really fun one of the things that I'm very aware if you look at The Office and if you look at Parks and Rec, and they're not unique in this situation, but if you look at both of them, their first seasons are very, very different from the later show. They take quite a while to find their feet. Both the end of The Office and the end of Parks and Rec have affected me so much that if they're going in with the end, with the the strength and the nuance and the 
ability that they have for the end of the seasons. And I know with both of those, you end up having like six seasons worth of character growth and stuff like that. But if they're going in with that ability and that capability, then yeah, this is probably like a high four, low five level of excitement for me. It's not like blowing me away. I'm not. Um, so we're recording this bit the day before it comes out on Netflix. And I'm not, it's not like I'm counting down the minutes, but at the same time, I have reserved most of tomorrow to just sit and binge it. Your point about, uh, you know, you really loving The Office and you conscious of how many seasons it ran for. I don't think it was as good after Steve Carell left. No, and I think that's I'm, very, very yeah, valid. That it is really hooking around the star power of Steve Carell. It's going to be a five out of five. I'm really excited for it. There were two things that made me quite concerned. So the first one was the production value of it. The sort of scrappiness of single camera element of the start of Parks and Recs or of The Office. You know, like It looks a little bit crappy it looks a little bit budget and it's just all about the the focus on the characters and um rather than the focus on it trying to be too slick one of the things i genuinely don't know about what it is is whether it is a comedy or whether it is a drama with jokes in it's obviously come out at the time where you can watch i mean i religiously watched seth meyer's jimmy kibble last week tonight uh, Colbert Report. I watch all of those shows because the hilarity that is actual politics and act and you know Trump Trump's actual statements. All they have to do is just show them. I think that kind of unscripted absurdity of real life. I don't know whether actually having something which seems quite satirically based upon that, but it's more like a, a narrative, will just seem quite weak in comparison. And it also has a bedrock of current affairs which are changed by the whim of a, a madman at the end of like a you know Twitter post. Yes, that, that is it's true. It, Netflix have invested this like huge amount of money in something which is actually potentially quite fleeting. Yeah, I think I'm on a high four as well. So, so we will be back in a moment, a few days into the future, to discuss Space Force after watching it. Do we need like futuristic sounds? And bloop, 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 yeah, bloop, bloop, you need it to go. Bloop, 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 bloop. Be- beautiful, excellent. <laughs> welcome, welcome to a couple of days in the future. It's now a Saturday morning, bright and early. Too, too early, perhaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my brain isn't really kicking into gear yet, but it's fine. Um, so we both. I've just finished watching Space Force, uh, me actually just a matter of hours ago and you last night. Just give me a general overview sense of what you thought of the programme. Okay, I feel like my general overview sense is going to sound really damning. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Like, I probably wouldn't recommend it to people, really, because I think there's much better stuff out there. But I don't hate the fact that I spent a day watching it. I would probably recommend that you just watch episode two which is hilarious i'm coming around to your idea more now of it being like a of comedy drama rather than it just being an out and out sort of quite slapsticky comedy if you're looking for something to watch on netflix and you've got a lot of spare time on your hands yeah it's worth flash should we go into a little bit more detail then about the main star steve carell i'll let you go into steve carell quickly but john malkovich to me was the only actor and so dr adrian mallory was the only character where every time he was on screen he was brilliant um and i think that's because his role is a little bit simpler than steve carell's role of as martin ed but i just found that martin ed 
had moments and so he had really lovely moments and really beautiful moments and very very funny moments but I couldn't quite get a grasp on him as a character I couldn't figure out whether he was an idiot which he is sometimes or whether he's over his head or whether he's just trying his best I think by the end of it you do actually see a, a genuine growth in his character so so for people who, who haven't seen it yet so Steve Carell is playing Mark Ned and he comes across at the beginning as this very kind of formal very pent-up uh, slightly delusional character like in that way it's it's slightly similar to Michael Scott in that someone who who has these ideas of grandeur which is actually above their station he's somebody who's like devoted to the work but has sort of these frustrations with either the idiocy of the people around him or frustrations with the system in general with the support staff his wife is incarcerated so you do actually feel quite sorry for him mm. when you realize where a lot of that frustration is coming from episode 10 is a very good episode for him. I think episode four, Lunar Habitat, is a very good episode for Steve Carell. If we kind of go into some of the other characters, Lisa Kudrow, who plays Maggie, I just found it really weird that they would get her in and then be like, okay, so you're going to be in like five scenes? Rather than it being season one, it felt like we were on season four of a show and Lisa Kudrow had like a movie that she had to make this year and therefore couldn't really appear in the season. Jane Lynch, who plays the head of the Navy. So she's only in two or three scenes, but I think this is just a consequence of it being a massive Netflix show. I felt that both Jane Lynch and Patrick Warburton were cameos. They were clearly, they were clearly, they popped in for an afternoon, shot their scenes and left. And it's because all of their scenes are set in the same set, in the same room. But did you think that Ben Schwartz was under you? Massively. Everything about it is set up to be a character that we know Ben Schwartz can do incredibly well. Yeah, and then it's, he's John Ralphio. Yeah, it's John Ralphio. It's John Ralphio. I mean, he's literally, he, he is called Fuck Tony. But Ben Schwartz has done John Ralphio. So what we get is like a weird diluted not quite as good John Ralphio moments in this show probably like two or three an episode where the show tries to go full bonkers sitcom like there are moments in this where it goes really silly and you get little visual gags or you get cutaways and there are moments in this that go full blown bonkers sci-fi like it's not grounded in reality this show and each time it does that, it really spiked my interest. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, okay, they're doing something interesting. But just so much of it is scattered around that. People walking around in corridors having conversations and getting a little bit angry with each other. And I was like, it, it needs to lean into whether it's a farce or whether it's something like The West Wing and it's it's a bit more dramatic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, what it reminded me of actually is if you had a workplace comedy set amongst air stewards and then if you had Airplane. Yeah. Like, it's that sort of thing where occasionally it goes quite surreal, like especially in the final episode as well. I was thinking, hang on, is he just going to wake up in a second? It turns out that he just dreamt that whole scenario. Imagine colonising the galaxy. Get off the phone! You can never know what it's like. Oh, damn it. It's the Air Force. Look who it is. We're going to eat your guts. So the game of mental chess has begun. It's hungry, hungry hippos at best. I'm still standing. We are training for the worst case scenario. It's a lot of weight and it's hot. <laughs> if you're a fan of Steve Carell and you like him sort of shouting asleep, dancing, screaming, running around in a spacesuit, things like that, like that, there are just laugh out loud comedy moments. Oh, absolutely. And the, the, the problem is, is that they just don't fit into the tone of the show. 
So they were they were always my favourite bits. I mean, episode one, I was watching episode one, and episode one has a full blown dance sequence in it, and it's one of the highlights of the whole series. Everyone else is either being pared down or is far too stupid to be in the military. I found Don Lake's character, General Brad, who is, I mean, he's a one-star general, but he's essentially Mark Ned's PA in this. And he's an idiot. And I'm there going like, you don't, how do you become a one-star general while you're there going like, I've, I've made, oh, I've made you some cookies and oh, oh, oh. The stuff with like the, the, the daughters dating, you know, the first couple of episodes, I found that whole uh, subplot with it, um, the character Erin, played by Diana Silvers, I find that really quite tedious. I also found this sort of blossoming romance between one of the junior scientists and then Angela Ali, who's played by Tawny Newsom. I found that quite awkward. A lot of the sort of more dramatic pieces written into it were interesting to see the evolution of Steve Carell's character, but I also thought that some of the moments where it wasn't about him it was like other characters having their own storylines i was a bit bored of that I, and i just wanted to see like everybody orbiting around steve carell yeah really. so i will say that i kind of agree with you between the, the the love story between dr chan and um angela ali dr chan played by jimmy o yang who you might have seen in yeah. crazy rich asians diana, diana silvers who you may know from my favourite film of last year, which... Um, Book smart. Book smarts, yeah. So she appears in that and she plays Erin Ned, so she plays the daughter. And in the first couple of episodes, she is having a relationship with Yuri Bobby Telotovich, who's played by Alex Sparrow, who is, again, from a completely different airplane-type uh, sitcom, where he's playing very clearly a Russian spy, walking around with his... His um, I mean, there's one point where he literally goes, and uh, what was your mother's maiden name? As he's there with with his notebook. Yeah, and, it's like and, something out of Archer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so ridiculous, and I'm really glad that after the first couple of episodes, he kind of gets phased out. But he feels like something that they had from an earlier sillier script, and then they were toning it all down, and they realised, well, we need him for these few scenes, so we have to have him here, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Talk about really good bits in it, really funny bits that maybe people should tune in for. You get something which evolves into a set piece, which then becomes the core of the episode. Yeah. Trying to find out whether a chimp and a dog can fix <laughs> a satellite yeah. that had been that had been blown apart. Was one of the highlights of the whole series for me. And it also <laughs> is one of the things where you watch it and go, this is an experience expensive sitcom and it just keeps going they keep pushing that joke pushing that joke and each episode's about 30 30 to 35 minutes it being netflix it fluctuates but um a good 20 minutes of this episode is just about trying to get a chimpanzee to fix a fix a satellite there's another subplot that goes on about the first lady wanting to redesign the space force uniforms um which I kind of, I liked it because it was played very in the background and it was just, every time there was a, a different shot, people were wearing more and more ridiculous, or, like, orc couture <laughs> yeah. uniforms. And I thought that was really good. But again, like, it didn't fit in. 
that's 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 satire. Like POTUS is the one who authorizes that wants to find out whether the chimp or the dog can survive. Yeah, in space. exactly. And like you know, he, that it comes from the top. One of the lines the in the in the first episode that made me laugh so much was this comes straight from POTUS. Well, he sent a tweet. He sent a tweet that he wants boots on the moon by 2024. Well, he said boobs on the moon, but we think that's a typo. <laughs> it still does do something broadly political, though, because obviously you've got the, the classic space adversaries. You've got Russia, but then there's also China, which turns out to be a very big adversary. And so that's where I want to go to my MVP in this, which is John Malkovich. And I went... Oh, God, he was so good. I went in genuinely being... I was quite concerned about whether John Malkovich would understand it because I always thought he was quite a serious actor if he doesn't understand the tone of the show he understands the tone of his character I'm not going to talk about it but he has my favorite moment in the whole in the whole show which is in the episode where they're trying to find out if there's a spy Dr Adrian Mallory has a brief moment that expands his character beyond just being a scientist and you kind of get a look into his personal life and it's kind of silly but kind of beautifully done and done so earnestly every line that he delivers for most of the show is dripping with this sort of resentment he's just like oh <laughs> fine this one little chink in his defenses where you see his personal life and you see who he is as a person when he's not exasperated that he can't just do the experiments that he wants to do. Adrian Mallory is probably the most rounded and figured out character. With The Office, it does have the same balance of characters who are like, you know, someone like Dwight, you can't picture actually existing in the no. world. Like There are characters in that that are the larger than lives of slightly farcical characters, and then there are people who are just sort of like playing it very straight. So maybe that's what they tried to do mm. here, that, you know, it's just being filled out with a mixture of roles. With the bigger themes of the show, they handled the prison stuff quite well. Yeah. So what would you like to see with the show going forward then? I would say that I probably enjoyed the weird slapsticky comedy stuff more and i suppose i'd like to see it a little bit more in the parks and rec kind of mold of a struggling department trying to do their best when everything is going wrong around them rather than it being they're all a bunch of idiots the build-up of episode 10 they throw so much stuff at the end of episode 10 there's so much at the end that i'm worried that kind of some of the smaller subtler things that i kind of like are going to get buried. It ends with some pretty massive ramifications for all of the characters. That's the thing. How can they get back to it being a, you know, workplace sitcom if it's actually like, no, they've all fully broken the rules now? (laughs) I think it's probably going to end up getting bigger and sillier. That is what I think it's going to do. The most upsetting thing about it is it feels like squandered potential from really brilliant people. The cast is amazing. I got really excited because in one episode, D from It's Always Sunny appears and I was like, Jude's going to be so happy about this. And <laughs> You messaged me about that. I'm so happy. I also didn't know what you were talking about because like the episode before that where Jamal Fitch's character is eating Cornish pigeon, I was like, I'm not from Cornwall. Is that what you... You messaged me about saying like there's a really funny thing coming up that you, specifically for you and then pictures of like bird emojis underneath <laughs> it. I was like, is, that, is it about Cornish no, pigeon? No, it's about, like, it about oh. D because she's a bird. And then I got super excited because the first episode's directed by Paul King who directed the Paddington films, which if you listen to this, you'll know that I'm very fond of. But again, just sort of didn't give the opportunity to to be 
the, the visual like to get a very visual director and then not have a incredibly visual episode apart from the end um like the the end just felt very strange to me that the only other kind of new thing i've been watching is um the mandalorian and kind of having finished that and seeing tone handled so well in that and and also brilliantly taking characters voices um, and directors voices taking a an expensive property and having different directors and kind of big all-star cast it's just interesting to see one drama kind of come out that the um what's the word come out the thing the thing running you know would uh, come out the box running and and then to see space force (laughs) kind of struggling to figure out what it is and struggling to find its feet let's see what these suits are capable of your heart rate is quite high turn back this is the weirdest day how's your star rating changed yeah yeah i wanted it to be a four i wanted it to be a high four i thought that's what i thought i was going in i was like look at the cast the history and the ability of the the writing and all that kind of stuff but it it came to me as a three i think i've read a few two star reviews and i think they're being unnecessarily harsh i think that's unfair Um, yeah but every single episode has two or three genuinely good moments that will make you laugh or give you something Every single episode is also going to have two or three moments that miss the mark and, and fall flat. For me, it's uh, three star again because I watched this over three different sittings just because I had work yesterday and uh, and I had dinner in the evening. You mean you just um, didn't... So I, I... didn't... Uh, no, I didn't, didn't sit, sit and watch, watch it. I watched, I watched the first eight episodes in one go and then stood up and got lightheaded because I'd just been sat down <laughs> for so long. <laughs> Well, so I'm I'm basing my rating on whether anybody would want to do that if they hadn't been forced to do that for the sake of doing a podcast about it. So I think I would be happy to spend an evening watching a couple of episodes and then dip back into it for another couple of episodes. It wasn't so unmissable that I would forsake, you know, walking outside in the sunshine to go, oh my God, I've got to watch the rest yeah, of it. Same. Cool. Well, um, we want to hear from you. Are you interested in watching Space Force? Uh, what's your favourite Steve Carell movie? Please let us know in the comments on Google Podcasts or Twitter at ManageExpect and we'd really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Do we do we have a next We don't have a next, we week. Have a next week. I don't you need to learn. You need to learn that every this. single week. <laughs> every time. I mean, what don't we could do is have a conversation before we start recording about what we do next week rather than you just throw it at us <laughs> as a surprise at the end of each episode. And we're like, um, are we talking about something next week? We'll be talking about something. Um, thanks so much for listening and have a lovely week. <laughs> Smashed it. Brilliant.